Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about a movie about medical bills, credit, and other horrors of capitalism that does it all with a song. That's right. It's Repo the Genetic Opera. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Uh, appreciative of Anna and the Apocalypse. <laughs> This movie will do that to you. I miss when musicals had choreography. Next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist and certified goth opera aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm trying to remember. Can you guys help me? What does Zydrate come in? Zydrate comes in a little glass vial. A little glass vial? A little little glass glass vial. vial. So much of the lyrics in this is just people repeating the last two words they said like they're fucking running solid snake through (laughs) auto-tune and our special guest tonight theater actor english educator musical nerd and co-host of the talking comics podcast joey Ricchino. joey how are you tonight that's a very very uh i like those credits you gave me there it makes me sound very very like established you're so established man Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to finally get a chance to talk about Repo, a genetic opera, which has been on my watch list for years, but I could never bring myself to do it. So (laughs) getting the invite on the show finally motivated me to watch it. I'm glad you gave me like six weeks to do so, uh, because I think (laughs) that that buildup was necessary for, for this film. Yeah, it's it's quite a film. It's been on my list for a while, too. Like, I know. I know it's been on there so long that I almost watched it while I worked at a blockbuster, um, <laughs> which wow. means it's been a while. Um, yeah, my I I, it's I funny because it. I was talking about watching it and having and watching it for the first time, and my my wife was like, "Oh no, we watched that movie." I was like, "No, you watched that movie when I wa- brought it home from blockbuster, and then told me not to watch it." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they had Blockbuster in 2008, but I was working for a video store with a VHS section in 2010, so. Oh, there you go. I watched this movie, um, I actually watched it for the first time last Halloween, so it was pretty fresh in my memory. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of movie that, like, you see the title, you're a repo of genetic opera, and if you're, like, the kind of person like me who, like, had bangs in high school and was in the theater club and president <laughs> of the theater club for for all the listeners at home it's the kind of movie that like i totally should have watched but never did so here i am now with no longer bangs nor hair uh because of my age and now i'm watching people the genetic opera I, I wonder what it would have felt like to see it in 2008 like if it, if it helps i got you covered on the bangs front when i should have watched this movie it was before this movie came out when i was the uh the spitting image of bridget from ginger snaps the music in this movie, I like to explain it as flailing between songs that kind of legitimately slap to mediocre to the embarrassment uh, that I feel when I go through and my old goth poetry and <laughs> read it back to myself. Whenever so, the villain brothers are singing, 
Oh, God. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Rough. Yeah, let's uh, let's do our basics. As far as the scare level, would you guys uh, say this is spoopy as a not scary, spooky as in a little scary, terrifying, or existentially disconcerting? I'd say, I'd say there's the existential disconcerting nature of, yeah, I could totally see American healthcare being that bad. <laughs> I was yeah. a little skeeved out by a lot of the, it was a very gory film. So yeah. that that's kind of what did it for me. I, I the other thing that isn't on my credits there at the beginning that that Jeremy laid out is I love movies, horror movies scare me obviously, and therefore I avoid them. So the gore in this, I was like, this yeah, for, movie. for me, it's solidly spoopy because like there is a lot of gore and it's immediate like excessive over the top organs falling out type of gore. Like, um, oh yeah, there are there's gory things that bother me in movies like the the director of this movie darren lynn boozman is the director of saws two through four and mm-hmm. those movies bother me from a gore standpoint like they get oh, me yeah those are yeah the gore in this is so over the top to the point of almost slapstick that like it doesn't feel scary the very premise of this movie implies so many transhumanist themes and concepts that this movie is utterly uninterested in exploring. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's so much going on and there's so many moving parts that don't move. I don't know how you do a story entirely about a corporation that runs off genetically modified like organs. And there's just like no, there's barely any transhumanism. There's blind mags cool cyber eyes and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think it speaks very much to the time that this came out that there's no like attempt to even touch like trans issues at all. There's no like uh there's barely even any like queerness in this movie. Uh, I I wish I could say I was surprised by a cyberpunk adjacent story not addressing obvious trans issues, but that's pretty part of the course for cyberpunk stories these days. <laughs> I, saw I don't a great trust word, this movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw a great I word called Victorian industrial. I was like, that's new. I like that. Like, there's one guy who puts other faces on his not face, but I'm like, that's not a cybernetic. You just stapled shit to your face. We have staples right now. And yeah. he, he, they, and they say that it. character switches faces. I didn't know it. If they, if they switched the prop, I sure as hell didn't notice mm-hmm. like a difference between them. Trigger warnings. Uh, I would say, you know, there's definitely blood. There's lots of gore. There's lots of organs. There's some violence of sort of a sexual nature. There's gaslighting. There's massive amounts oh, of surgery so and mass- drug use. There's a and- lot of gaslighting and uh, uncomfortably quickly forgiven parental abuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's sort of as an afterthought too, and it's really. It's like, oh, by the way, just so much abuse. It, it's like I said, directed by Darren Lynn Boozman. It's written by Darren Smith and Terrence Sadunek, who also wrote the stage play on which this is based, which you know they they had done. And I guess Darren Lynn Boozman actually directed a version of the stage play as well. Um, as far as who it, it stars, um, it really feels like a stage play. Yeah, yeah. It's got some real uh, second-rate Sweeney Todd elements in there. Um, <laughs> oh my god, this this movie wants to be Sweeney Todd so badly. Mm. Wants yeah. to be a lot of things. Yes, so, it um, sure does. 
the the quote star i guess of this movie is alexa pina vega uh who you might know from spy kids as the kid the girl from spy kids she is in a rough situation here of, of not having a lot of great material to work with and not having the vocal talents of the other oh, people. Oh, I liked her. Get out of here. I know. I mean, she did. She did okay. I like okay. Most of her songs are not very good. I like, like the oh, premise. Slaps. Of, or, Get out of here. Like Seventeen the, is the only one that's yeah. good. The rest of them are basically <laughs> Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. Like, I have. But she's. She I have, is, I have questions about 17 and imaginary Joan Jett. That's real Joan Jett, though. That's like actually Joan Jett. Wait, is that actually Joan Jett? That is 100% Joan Jett. Jett. There are people in this movie that show up and I'm like, what the hell? What the fuck, Joan Jett? That's actually real Joan I looked it up the second I saw that film. Alexa Pena Vega does really good for being between Sarah Brightman, Paul Sorvino, and Anthony Stewart Head, who are like titans. Yeah, Paul Sorvino and Sarah Brightman are both extraordinary voices anthony yeah. stewart head is a fucking rock star in this movie like yeah yes. i don't know how well, he's an actual rock star in real life too yeah yeah i mean oh, i it, i think most people probably know him as giles from buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> there are a couple of episodes in there in which you get sort of a feeling of of you know just how uh how good he is how well he can sing and how well he pulls off the uh the bad boy stuff that he does in this movie which um the weirdly the raw sexual energy of anthony stewart head was like the thing that worked most in this movie for me <laughs> to you borrow from a recent twitter meme uh anthony stewart head understood the assignment mm-hmm. yes like I... it, is, it is never when when this movie works is pretty much whenever anthony stewart head is on screen yeah uh paris hilton is also there and so is who uh, I also thought did an okay job. <laughs> yeah, she did I an mean, okay job. I of the three reckon, children, she is. They put doing her the in most. so much weird hair and hats and makeup. It honestly took me like two thirds of the movie before I'm like, "Is that Paris Hilton?" Same. Yeah, I didn't notice. There's like uh, five pages of notes before oh, I'm like, "Wait a minute, Paris Hilton is Amber." <laughs> she's by far the most tolerable of the three kids. Who yes. I, it's crazy who's like it's crazy especially luigi aka low rent like james Kahn from godfather <laughs> and they're not mini bosses like these are henchmen these are classic mini boss villains who aren't mini bosses and therefore serve no fucking purpose in the plot whatsoever and emily I, wants to talk about ogre yeah <laughs> here with my hand raised like <laughs> um this is my first rant okay I'll, I'll make it quick the reason i saw this movie was because of kevin ogilvy also known as nivek ogre also known as just ogre ogre is the lead of the industrial the vegan industrial iconic group skinny puppy he's the reason that trent reznor exists david lynch are you going to elaborate on that no <laughs> <laughs> well if you want me to elaborate on it i, I do can. i do but i i just would have i just would have loved the idea of just leaving it right there <laughs> i would I, well i am going to because we have more to talk about but he, he is an incredible performer usually when he's on stage he's in 
like this horrible monster outfit and he's also incredibly hot so when i saw him in this movie i was so excited and then all he did in the whole movie was go ah! and i was really disappointed because he also sings although whenever i hear him singing he sounds like he's been drinking battery acid if you go to a skinny puppy show he's always he's got like three different outfits that he wears and they're all like crazy prosthetics and shit and it's all the the same aesthetic as this movie but with the power that this movie lacks it's um, interesting because they like try and bring in people that elevate and validate the the movie that they're trying to make like bill mosley who plays luigi who tries his best but yeah does not he was like in texas chainsaw massacre and thousand corpses like he's got these like horror creds and obviously anthony stewart head and paul servino and 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 sarah brightman like all people brought on clearly to like elevate repo oh yeah like sarah brightman and paul servino i feel like are the big like opera gets Mm -hmm. and i feel like they're just incredible voices with songs that are not as good as their voices deserve yeah they do their best they do their best uh, and just to just to give people an idea of what this is about before we dive into the whole spoilery section, the the IMDb uh, for a version of what it's about it says a worldwide epidemic encourages a biotech company to launch an organ financing program similar to a standard car loan, but the repossession clause is a killer. That is the end of the non-spoilery section. Uh, if you want to watch the movie before we, we spoil everything for you, now is the time to do that. Otherwise, we're about to jump in to talking about the comic book opening of this movie. Oh, don't, my God. Don't eat while watching this movie. Don't eat. It's 90 minutes, so you, you can do it. Yeah. And this movie starts with a what looks like it was made in Microsoft Paint. I thought it was okay, like, just for the fact that the movie was, as you know, as a comic artist, I thought it was appropriate for the film. I would argue that it's almost appropriate for the film, but that every time they do a comic book interlude, it seems incredibly obvious to me that these were all drawn after they had already done all the voiceover, because they just put the captions on screen, there's no spoken parts, there's no singing... Yeah. There's really like weak background music for a movie that is a musical. Um, I just saw that art with the flat digital, like mostly monochrome with a little shading coloring. And I just got a flashback to like four dozen different 2000s like web Mm -hmm. comics. Sure. it's it's definitely a budget thing and it's definitely like an exposition thing that they couldn't shoot for it, the movie is not a high budget piece it it, it reeks of b-movie schlock in, in uh. terms of how it's shot and everything and, and the narrative so i mean jeremy your point like they they needed to fill the gaps they realized they needed to fill the gaps they had this conceit they used it and there's no voiceover there's no like it's like instrumental music they filled yeah. it and i it, i was it was fine with it yeah and it's, it's all drawn by one of the creators of the the story uh who is a storyboard artist among other things um and yeah it's i don't know man it, it feels more like a storyboard than a comic book um yeah yeah and it's it goes through the whole setup for the story and then we'll go through setups for other parts of the story later on um and these aren't particularly elaborate backstories i feel mm -hmm. like you could have cut out a few of these and just replaced them with like 
three or four lines of dialogue. No yeah, well, dialogue. This is an opera. Well, still, like you have yeah. them. They sing it's shit. Like, it's they, like they, they decided that you couldn't say Hamilton, and you couldn't speak not. anything. It had to. It had to be all singing. Well, so it's yeah. they couldn't manage to it's do it. To be an opera. Well, they couldn't manage to do it, so they just didn't have anybody say the captions here. Like, My favorite just... thing is that the, the, the comic book scenes were like recreating the love triangle, but they also clearly shot those scenes on film too, because you have some cutaways to those scenes, yeah. but they probably just didn't make any sense, like out of context or without there's, any dialogue. There's probably like, I feel like they definitely had this, you have to always be singing rule, but I feel like they didn't fully understand what singing is. <laughs> <laughs> there's like i feel like there's a lot of sequences where people aren't really singing they're just rhyming and like rhyming singing well they're rapping yeah um, they were ahead of their time the the uh i forgot um well let's let's go is, ahead and is talking talk with about... a guitar line in the background singing to skinny puppy it is listen <laughs> there's some there's some skinny puppy that is just like ogre going sticking pins and needles in this stinging rotten fresh like substitute pieces of half cooked meat like that's and it works. I will say when the, when the music just mostly just focuses on like the guitar line like especially Anthony my uh, Anthony Sir Hall's like first song there the guitar line is a fucking killer. I love the guitar in this movie. Yeah, yeah. well, the and the thing about the captions before Anthony we move Stewart on. Had. I'm combining it's, Anthony Stewart head and Anthony Michael Hall into sure. one, the one mega Anthony. I went, ah, that's weird. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, it's weird. But um, yeah, consider, like talking about the captions before we move on. Uh, it's also weird to me because so many like little things that don't need to be like emoted at all. Like how she sings randomly about getting the bug. And then, you know, meanwhile, the grave robber's like, grave! And... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna talk about there. that yeah but like there's so much shit that they're singing that they could just sing this part that's this background you know like all they have to do is like incorporate it into a song because yeah, I mean, they, that's what you have a chorus for like yeah just, and you know, all it sing these bits this, this movie can't afford a chorus get out of here well the chorus <laughs> is grave robber and all he does is sing about how zyad drake comes in a little black vial and a little a glass, glass vial. like i that's the problem like this movie with the you know it has that musical rule of everyone singing but that normally comes with this like okay everyone's gonna be singing but there's also gonna be like choruses and bridges and there's gonna be choreography and people who wouldn't normally exist in the scene just coming in and out for the purpose of the musical and none of that happens it's all like everyone's gonna move and act as if they were talking they're just gonna sing yeah or except for 17 which is a dream sequence yeah and, and this is all like so this whole opening section is all about how there's this pandemic with organ failures uh and you know a lot of people are dying so gene co sort of comes to the rescue uh you know they produce uh, replacement organs for people so that they don't die um, and they start putting these uh, they start giving people credit to buy these organs that they then have to pay back uh, this then leads we find out to excessive uh, unneeded surgery people are constantly changing and having surgeries they don't need to they're doing all this stuff and they're doing it all on credit and they're using Zydrate which is this uh, painkiller that works uh, extremely well and has this black market version that they don't ever explain how or why, but it comes from corpses. 
Um, you have to uh, pull this stuff out of corpses with a, a little uh, little glass vial. Are um, you saying that vial? if I get plastic surgery, I'm not going to grow glowing blue goo in my corpse? I mean, as far as I know, that's, you never that's know, the man. case. Um, I think it's just the residual that they have, like, it doesn't leave their system, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm really, yeah. like, reaching. Just like <laughs> Anthony Stewart head into that guy, into his and larynx. Pull it out his spine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so, because I feel like so much world building had to be done just to get the background of this movie. But then the plot, it, the movie itself feels very not interested in exploring that world versus this love triangle and this one girl not having a heroic journey. Yeah, I mean, all of this is to get us to these two main male characters. The Repo Man, who uh, is, his job is to take back these organs when they're not paid for. And we are then introduced to the patriarch of Gene Co., Roddy Largo. Attend to the tale of Roddy Largo. Um, (laughs) Attend the tale of Roddy Largo. It's so Roddy Largo, first of all, Paul Sorvino, not only can he sing, not only does he have an epic ass set of pipes, but he can also flow pretty well. Like he actually, you know, like Anthony Stewart Head, he he understood the assignment and he did his best. But the other thing about Roddy Largo, he has two fucking amazing like BDSM women in black as his bodyguards that are always. Oh, yes. I love them. I have in my notes. <laughs> what if the girls from The Shining became gay cyberpunk? <laughs> Literally, they're great until they have to do something and then they get thrown like the first the first time they actually fight somebody. Repo Man that's throws true. them as soon as he enters the room. There's you know? also one scene where they get gas masks and that somehow just makes them look cooler yeah <laughs> he's, he's dying and all of his children amber luigi and pavi uh, are psychopaths and useless and he doesn't want to leave the company to any of them as as we are told by the grave robber our narrator which uh we are then introduced to the grave what do you think of the grave robber i like the grave robber I know his methods do leave something to be desired if i'm going to a cemetery where it is normally very quiet and i was trying to do it on a legal thing you don't want to yeah. yell, Grapes! Yeah, gonna, like, I'm robbing graves! And I'm in like, squirrel that grave. <laughs> in a version of this movie where there's actually, where Shiloh actually goes on the heroic journey, I like the grave robber as the meeting the mentor part of that journey. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't, doesn't exist in this movie, but if it did... Home. It's yeah. hard because he's, you know, he wrote, he wrote it. So obviously he's going to like make himself, you know, that that's what's going on here. It's funny because like a couple of weeks ago, I watched Johnny Mnemonic starring Keanu Reeves from 1991, which What's I'm pretty sure has like the same dystopian cityscape backdrop, but that was yes. from 1991. This movie's from 2008. I was getting a lot of like fifth element vibes here too. And, and, and all these kind of like Blade oh, yeah. Runner, like, like this, like, gritty urban scape i I wonder how how i wonder how that kind of world building was a product of oh yeah we get to make a movie version of this stage play a stage play a stage opera that was probably very rooted in these like six actors at microphones singing through a show and then Mm -hmm. they get to make a movie so they're like let's get 
all these like cityscapes from all these movies that we love and and put them up there with the blimps with the screens on it and stuff feels very much like the the hit sci-fi movie of 1992 but it came out in 2008 exactly yeah Yeah. i really feel like i probably would have liked this more if i saw the stage play yeah like it just feels so much more like a stage play and i just feel like there's elements of the plot and the execution that just didn't make the jump to fully utilizing film. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that also if you were watching the stage play, you'd get to see the choreography. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. These, I these, mean, these this gang doesn't strike me as a as a choreo choreo loving bunch. <laughs> you need to have at least one dance number. Like even Rocky Horror has one dance number, and it's the time warp, and it's a slap, and everybody knows that one, right? Yeah. Like, the so, rest of the the rest of the Rocky Horror Show, there's not a lot of choreo in it, but you need the one, and this movie doesn't really have even no. the one. Oh mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, this whole movie is like you know goth goth club rivet head aesthetic. So you've got your fishnets, and you've got your hair extensions, and you've got your you know Lolita stuff, and then you've got your gas masks and your Russian constructivism, and it's all there. Like they, oh, you know. Yeah. Fishnets, I mean, everything in this laser, movie feels designed first. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Substance. It's it's all style. Even the filter okay. on the digital film, like yeah. it, it's an Evanescence music video. Like they saw it in two thousand and five, and they were like, "When we make Repo, we're doing this look. Like that's there's what we're doing." De- yeah. There's definitely some scenes where I'm like, "Okay, this feels straight out of a Nine Inch Nails video." Mm-hmm. If we're talking weirdness for weirdness's sake um element of this movie that made me rewind and just make sure that i was actually seeing what i thought i was seeing is they're not being portraits but instead framed holograms the thing here shows up uh in terms of design in this first scene is the introduction of all of the documents being on overhead projector (laughs) i had that in my notes too there's no paper that's why they have the hologram portraits this there's no paper and like, I, there, I think I see this in The Expanse where they're like, it's the future, so it's clear. And I'm like, obviously you don't understand how you're supposed to read things. Yeah, yeah we get an overhead- Minority report. <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine, we get an overhead shot of that. It All the text is smushed together. It's completely <laughs> unlegible. Yeah, like you have sheets of it. Like, yes, like the doctor gives him a clipboard with sheets of this fucking overhead projector and he's just like flipping through it. Hey, what <laughs> but, but Polly, But Polly is like- yeah, I, I can see we this. took something we invented 5,000 years ago and we made it worse in every way. <laughs> what if we can make it completely unfunctional while also terrible for the environment? I mean, that's that, that's sort <laughs> that's of what the, the movie, movie is. In a nutshell. And that's yeah. why I say this movie is existentially terrifying. That's mm. that's solid. Okay. All of this is dumb enough to happen. <laughs> what, what happens next? So the grave ro- robber is our narrator. Yes, um, and then we introduce Shiloh, who is our protagonist. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so uh, what, what, do, what do we think about Shiloh, our, our protagonist who has no journey? And As I've already stated, I actually really like Alexa Vega in, in this movie. I will say that she has to deal with some very uncomfortable outfits that I did not want to see her in, especially as she kept saying like, I'm 17. And then she's like in this nighty and slip for the whole time. And like these thigh high socks. And I was like, no, this is not what we need for this. With that said, I think that 
I actually thought that she did good with the, well with the singing, and uh, I I liked her. I liked her in this film. I liked I the Shiloh character. I I liked everything. I yeah. like the concept of Shiloh, like on paper, like daughter of one of the repo men, like being lied to, like someone who is told she has like an incurable disease in an absolute like transhumanist future world, who has like been very sheltered, a mm-hmm. great. POV character into this world and all its contours. But, and she just strikes me as a strong choice for protagonist. I think Alexa Vega does a good job. And then the plot just doesn't do that. It just doesn't do what it's clearly set up for her to do. Well, she's got no kind of, she's got no active role in it everything is just happening to her she's she's the victim of everybody in this yeah. film yeah. until the very end when she's like no I, which I, I didn't really it didn't really read but like all the headlines were like uh shiloh no. rejects gene co and it was the like okay active decision she makes in this movie is to not do something yeah <laughs> She doesn't even have to deal with taking care of the villain because he's just like, oh no, the terminal disease. Time to instantly die. Yeah, she decides not to do something and then she leaves the movie, which I'm like, there are the two most powerful things that she does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, throughout this whole first scene, the, the, I mean, I feel like this first scene with her is really just a picture of, of what she's going to be for the rest of the movie, which is like, she's chasing this bug and she wanders off into the graveyard, but she's not supposed to be outside. And she meets the grave robber who is screaming at the top of his lungs for God knows what reason. And uh, he gets, she gets cornered by these guys who are trying to, you know, arrest her for being a grave robber. And uh, she doesn't get out of this situation at all. She just passes out from her, her disease and is, uh, I guess, saved by her father. And then, you know, wakes up back in bed. Um, where we find out that her father is also her doctor, and we'll shortly find out that he is also the Repo Man. Shiloh sings that song, and she's like, "Mother, can you hear me? Thanks for my disease." I was like, "This, you know, she's." I, I, it's, it, that's when I was like, "All right, this is the ride we're on." That for the that first was... couple of scenes, I was like, first of all, I don't know for y'all, but for the first couple of scenes, the 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 singing dub was out of sync with the. The film <laughs> so i was like I, I couldn't tell if like it was just my stream or whatever but like, yeah, the first couple was, of scenes, i thought it was mine I was but like, i had the same issue yeah i was like uh, i don't know i don't know if i'm i don't know if i could do this and then by the time we meet shiloh and 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 alexa vega and anthony stewart head are in the bedroom and they're singing that back and forth song right. i was like all right this is the ride we're on and i started to settle in and i got to a point where i was like i i, I could dig this i could work I, with this I and we'll go wish when I was 17, I had belted out things as teen angst inflicted as I'm infected by your genetics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we, we do find out that her mother, who is already dead at the beginning of the story, had a genetic disease, which she thinks she's passed on to her. We'll later find out that that isn't, in fact, the case, but she has been told that it is the case. Um mm-hmm. And that she can't go outside. She just wants to go outside. When she's outside, she has issues with her blood pressure. Um, and that's passing how blood out. pressure works. Yeah, yeah that's, definitely, that's definitely how that works. Um, which leads to my, uh, my decision that she is just some sort of fucked up Disney princess. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, got those yeah. vibes. Got those vibes immediately. She's got a whole song oh, totally. about wanting to go outside and how you know her, her parents are keeping her locked up. 
I would call that the I want song if I was completely positive it was fully a song. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot she's of got little, she's got little animal friends, little bugs walking around. Yeah. yeah fucked up Disney princess, 100 percent And her yeah, and, and, and her puppets jam, and she has a like a fucking puppet skeleton that jams out with her in her song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and Joe mm-hmm. Jet just in her closet. Like yeah. that's the that's the queer representation. I love that her I love the idea that she, like her imaginary friend is just real life Joan Jett. I wish yeah. that, that happened throughout the whole movie. Joan Jett was I know. just walking around with her the whole time. Man, like I Joan Jett's her fairy godmother. Again, like in the version where this movie is about Shiloh stepping out into this world she's been sheltered from, Joan Jett is the Jiminy Cricket. Like yeah. Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah. The problem is the movie is clearly like not about Shiloh, despite Shiloh kind of being presented to us as the I want character. Because yeah. all of the, the comics and all of that is about this love triangle between Marnie, Repo Man, and and Roddy. Yeah. The only real explanation I can find for any of this is that according to the creators, this was supposed to be the first film of a trilogy. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, the, this was the first. And then there's, uh, after this was supposed to become, was supposed to come a repo, The Beginning, which I guess was going to explore the stuff that's already in the flashbacks of this story. Uh, um, <laughs> oh. And then the third movie was going to be about Shiloh. <laughs> I yeah. guess the third and movie is actually finally about Shiloh. The night, and then it's about undoing the nightmare repo timeline. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like a lot of this movie's problems come from it really presents and treats Shiloh as the main character while telling a story that clearly centers Anthony Stewart head as the main character. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, his songs are better. I mean, he's better. Like <laughs> it's, he's the character that he's the character that has an arc. Bear in mind, he is a abusive gaslighting monster. Yeah, they like, don't, the thing is, it has this mediocre number, like like which Ben said is barely a song, if it is a song, with Marnie about like how sad she is and how she wants to go outside. And then it switches perspective to Nathan, her father, Anthony Stewart Head. And it does this quick like flashback of his his life with Marnie, her mother, and We're how, back like, to the Microsoft Paint comics. Yep. And how when I realized was... that would be a recurring feature, I took a drink. <laughs> and she was she was genetically sick but also pregnant and then he was trying to save her and she started dying and he had to choose between her or uh shiloh so she cho- he chose shiloh and then he has maybe the best number in the whole fucking movie oh without a like, doubt he goes hard just like rock god all of a sudden in this movie yeah. he is like screaming and like this movie is immediately not about Shiloh anymore as soon as this number happens. It's like, oh, actually, this is a lot better. <laughs> like Yeah, where he's like, I'm fucked up and I'm gonna turn and pull pull your yeah. guts out. Ah. This is yeah, like, well, enough, he's the that, repo man. That um, reveal, it's so clearly his story. He is both super villain and superhero of this story. And it's also a crazy like Dr. Jekyll kind of thing where he's got these two iterations of himself, the repo man and his this father figure, right? Right. Uh that makes the mo- that that makes for kind of a much more compelling narrative. It's a question of did this did this gaggle of men writing this movie have the capacity 
to elevate Shiloh in the way that they wanted beyond I'm 17 in a nighty and uh, thigh high socks. I don't know if that, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give that to them. I'm not going to be like, oh, you guys couldn't do it because a lot of no, people totally. can't. I just feel like there's a movie where Shiloh gets out. It's her and the grave robber, like on the run. She's being chased by like the repo man, but we have the knowledge that that's her father. So there's that like inherent tension and just, I don't know, just where Shiloh has a, an arc and does things and yeah. <laughs> takes out the brothers midway, like a third and midway through the movie. So they can be mini bosses and we don't have to see Luigi try to sing anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, honestly, the next scene with Anthony Stewart Head is the first scene where we like see him kill a guy and repossess organs. He rips out all this guy's organs and then uses the guy as a fucking hand puppet to sing backup yeah. for his own I song, which is like that. the best fucking thing that happened. That's in right. Yeah, for that, you know, like if you're gonna do a B movie, do more of that. Like, I yeah. don't need singing fucked up Disney princess in the tower. Like. I, yeah. I see what you're trying to give me pathos. I don't want pathos. I want hand puppet repo man stuff. That that's what great. that's what I want. What I like that. I also liked when earlier, right before we meet the like villain siblings, we get a jingle for discount oh, organs. So yes! Which is so such shanty. like ro- that's like such like Robocop style. Like, yeah. So yeah. like I, I more of that, like when this movie actually starts getting into the weeds and the details of its world. It's great, and I want more of that. Lungs and livers. <laughs> yeah, I jiggle like I swear to God, it's one eight one eight 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 cars for kids, but like for organ transplants. <laughs> in terms of this movie introducing concepts that it then doesn't explore, in case of that being a good thing, early on when they're first explaining it to it, they're flashing like newspapers and magazine covers, and one of them is this mag- like version of like. Uh, Vogue, Matt, like Vogue or Glamour, and it's change your race. I'm like, yeah. I'd rather we didn't. How about yeah. we don't do that movie? Let's, yeah, let's not go to the territory already so nobly explored by James Bond. Die another day. <laughs> I don't know if I would have trusted this movie to handle such uh, topics because already it. I don't. Yeah. I would not trust it. I'm. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm actively saying. Thank you for not exploring that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. this movie barely explores the things that it does bring up. Yeah. Well, there was supposed to be three movies, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag restore the repoverse. Restore the repoverse. <laughs> Please no. Um, yeah, this is also, at this point, we get the scene with the three um, Largo siblings. Um, well, I guess two Largo siblings and... Uh, uh, the Amber's last name is Sweet. She has changed it, which that still makes her a sibling. Meaningful, yeah. but they never really. My sister it. changed her name when it's she got stage... married. She's still my sister. She needed a stage name. That was it. Was it was in a because yeah. she wanted to sing, and then you know, but Blind Mag is like Sarah Brightman, so she's like, I can't do that as good. So, but yeah, she she says to her dad at some point in a later bit um that she wanted to stay saying and she wanted a stage name so and her dad's like i guess it's okay that you changed your name and this stage this name and stage here. face i think was the line yeah something like that i don't this... like that right off the bat the very first thing this movie wants us to know about these three is they're definitely quasi incestuous yep yeah not even subtext they're f- just text yeah poppy's like i think my brother and sister should fuck 
That's and an he actual makes a, a hand and fist motion. Didn't like it. The the Luigi character, I love that his shtick just becomes like any time he enters a scene, he murders someone. Like that is like a shtick that I think could have been funny in, a, in another movie. <laughs> what kills me about this scene right here is this should be the scene that has a big we're the villains musical number. Like where yeah. they all sing about their various depravities and the crap we're going to see them do throughout the rest of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's instead just sort of this meandering sung dialogue bit uh, yeah. until, you know, one of them is like, my brother and sister should fuck. It should be this like big bombastic, we're horrible people. And this is how we're going to fuck everything up for the rest of this movie. But not only no. is it not that they don't like the siblings are, they're the musical low point of the movie. Yeah. And yet they're not even a nuisance. Like they're not an obstacle. It, in any way they're just there. i assume maybe they're supposed to be the bad guys of the third movie like but we we never get that what kills me about this is i'm i am not a fan of paris hilton for a number of reasons but she is really fucking trying like she is doing her best to like pull these scenes up and take them into the rest of the movie and whatever they're doing with these other with the two brothers is just not it's just not uh. there I know that he's not going to be Ogre from Skinny Puppy, but he has a set. There's a reason he's here. He has a set of skills. Have him do his battery acid thing and be like, annihilates or whatever he does. And it'd be so good. Like Instead of doing fucking a Mario impression with a like fa- with a skinned face on his face. Like, yeah, when he's like, yeah. oh, oh, mamma mia. And I'm like, come yeah. on. There's a, there's, he can do things. He could become a big wolf and eat people. Like he does this shit on stage. <laughs> no, um, no, that would really fit with the themes of this movie. But you yeah. know, I, I see where you're going. Well, it's because who, like, who would they be the bad guys for? Like, is does Repo Man have to take them out to get to Roddy? Yeah, does Shiloh have to get through them to get to some cure? They're definitely mini bosses in the version where this is more focused on Repo Man and is essentially goth opera taken. Perhaps what we're getting is actually a commentary on, you know, the children of these exploitative corporation heads are just as inane and incapable you know like imagine a world where you have this like mogul in power and then they're totally inept children like maybe that's the commentary that that this film is trying to give us in 2008 well here's here's the thing is they're clearly setting it up from the beginning that roddy is going to in one way or another offer this uh company to shiloh right like that's because the next thing we get after the scene of him hating his own children is the story about how he was actually in love with Marnie and he wanted to be with Marnie and Marnie was with him until Nathan showed up and then he intentionally caused Nathan to cause Marnie's death. Um, it's kind of like a fucked up or more fucked up Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory type situation. <laughs> a little bit. So like I think the ideal version of this, because like it's clear that that's what's happening from the beginning, and they don't actually say it until like the last scene of the movie um, mm-hmm. at, at the opera is when he actually makes the proposition. If like no, Polly does sing, Polly Polly sings "Gold," and "Gold" is a kick-ass number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sings a song if, about how he's going to do the thing. Yeah, but if like 
the kids knew about this beforehand and like they were trying to kill Shiloh, then that like, makes sense. That oh, makes them a, the yeah. villains of Shiloh's story. Yeah. And that's then they have a reason yeah. to be there. Yeah, and she, and she wouldn't even idea. know why they're coming after her. And then the repo man has to reveal this reason and then they team up and they kill all the bad guys. There's so many better plots we're coming up with yeah, because we're giving this movie a plot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As I mentioned, like the next thing we get is the the backstory with Roddy. He was in love with Marnie. He got somebody to plant drug in, um, you know, in Nathan's uh, various medicine stuff that I guess he didn't realize was poison. And two lines of dialogue could have just cut out that whole MS paint budget for two yeah. lines of dialogue. Uh, yeah, so he he injected Marnie with this, which was actually what killed Marnie. Although mm. it seems that he doesn't know this. Like, he thinks Ooh. that he just failed to save Marnie. He does not seem to realize that he has injected Marnie with poison. Nathan. Nathan? Yes, yes. no, that's yes. yeah. He thinks he just killed her and it's his fault, but it was an accident. And yeah, like this whole bit, and it's. I just want to point out that on our notes for the recap, a huge number of notes are taken from these little bits of uh, exposition of comic book exposition. Because <laughs> there's so much shit that they like stuff into these comic book exposition bits that they can like, you know, also organically put into the story because everybody's singing everything all the time, whether or not it is necessary to be singing it or saying it. So much of the Never. plot relies on you, the audience, caring about a character who exists only in microsoft paint storyboards <laughs> marnie yeah and in hologram and, and in holograms i do gotta admit when meg, when meg shows up and she's just like got like hologram projecting eyeballs i'm like yeah, yeah. i would fucking like, go for that i i like i yeah. said 20 minutes into this movie i was like all right i'm here for the ride i'm on a podcast about it I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be fun and I wrote in my notes, Roddy Hart, Marnie, Marnie Hart, Nathan. And I wrote the triangle and I wrote, I'm shook. Oh shit. Like I started to care in this moment. I don't know if it was just like, I'm along for the ride or not, but. Blind Mag was my, in this de- like actual cyberpunk transhumanism, me searching for it in this movie, it's a goddamn desert and Blind Mag is my oasis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is the shining star. She is one of the the greatest diamonds in the rough of this yeah. film. Like uh, why she's, she's not in more of it, I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah, she's yeah, great. Yeah. I love everything about her character. I love her storyline. Like, uh, oh, like she's great. Well, like, we're I, actually about to meet her here. So, I mean, let's yeah. get to that because Roddy slips Shiloh a note somehow that says to meet him at her mother's tomb. Doesn't say who it's from. She goes to his mother's tomb and instead of meeting her, he gasses her and then has his like his armored girls pull him out and kidnaps her to a carnival. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. The carnival has no significance. And other Not than the little bit. bit of freak show that's happening when they show up there will continue to not have any sort of significance. Um, except for this is where Shiloh then meets blind mag, who is the operatic voice of, of Jenico of Gene co um, and unbeknownst to Shiloh is her dead mother's best friend who uh, is supposed to be singing her last song tonight um, and has these robot eyes that she got from Gina Co that will learn shortly thereafter 
she signed away her life basically to get these because if she stops singing they take her eyes back uh, they have the repo man take her eyes back and presumably that's gonna kill her yeah i mean yeah yeah there's uh, it's such a waste though because they're like don't you gotta stay and be the voice of gene co and she's like no and then they're they're threatening her with the eyes and i'm like she didn't have eyes before do you have to kill her? Like, I don't know. Anyway, I mean, this yes, is because again, apparently I'm for the spine of this movie that is made out of gelatin. But no matter how what organs you need from someone, you must always still gut them completely first. Yeah, spine yes. out, mouth yeah, puppet, spine it's out. Whole thing. <laughs> I did... as if like it's 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 as if this movie is also afraid for us to spend any time with Blind Mag because as soon as we're introduced to her, Shiloh gets pulled away into a tent and then gets pulled out of the tent by the grave robber, and we continue not to see any of Blind Mag for a while until you know we we come back to her later. Yeah, and it's funny because Shiloh's in this tent and she's just sort of kicked into this tent by one of the women in black. We're not sure why. Why is she there? Why I had is she no left idea there? What was happening in this scene? Yeah, yeah. yeah. she feels then, like cats at this point. Like it's it, just a series it, of things happen. It's Honestly, it's really interesting because like does anyone else feel like Grave Robber kind of belongs in Cats? <laughs> oh yeah, yes. Grave Robber does the the like narrative function of Cats. He y'all walks should on do and is, like, Cats this on this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to watch that. Movie. <laughs> don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> No, we've never done anything that scary. I I don't want that. I will take my eyeballs out. It's funny because, like, around 2008, you know, this is when like steampunk was a thing too, Uh and everyone was everyone was trying to do like steampunk musicals. And I've actually gotten like pitches and proposals to like direct and design and work on like these shows that like they've never been staged. They're all like concept albums of like steampunk musicals and without fail they all have a carnival scene in them of course it's 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 bizarre it's like part of the aesthetic uh so that you can get all of that kind of like look how look how odd this is step Um, back into a time when carnivals were the (laughs) when you had nothing better to do than fucking go to a carnival and you get the calliope going you know it's just like what is happening (laughs) yeah when we could stare at people with the medical problems and go ooh, Mm -hmm, mm yeah that's why people just just, like stare at boats leaving and wave yeah movies and video games haven't been invented yet let's just look at a big ass boat look at this boat i mean steam the the this the song that happens when repo man is ripping out the dude's spine and shiloh is in the tent and they call each other mm-hmm. yeah was, that was actually one of the first times in my notes i was like i actually like this song and i like this scene like, because okay, there's like just... there's like tension there it's like oh wow like these characters don't know these lives that they're leading and i was like okay plot conflict. It's a, there, was, good there was some good setup like on paper like there's so much of this movie that totally works on paper Mm-hmm. And like that conflict there, like I really like it. I just wish that Nathan was a good dad. <laughs> yeah, there's but no reason. Not. There's no reason for the thing. So, but anyway, so like, when it's not, like Shiloh should hate him not for his actions as Repo, but for his actions as Nathan. Yeah, this bit where she's broken out by the grave robber and she's like, "You're real." Just <laughs> really like, I mean. Okay, I guess. 
Well, there was that whole thing in the beginning when she was like, oh, I was at a graveyard. And it's like, no, you weren't. You just passed out. You've been here the whole time. Like, oh, I, I mm. read that. Like, so even, so that was like, it. so that I actually, because I'm just like, fucking goddamn, Nathan's really just fucked with her whole sense of reality. Also, yeah. did Green Robert put some sort of like homing beacon on her? Because he just like cuts through the side of a closed tent and is like, hey, it's you. He's the narrator. He's like the narrator from Joseph in Technicolor Dreamcoat. He's just like, and you now mean God. <laughs> so he takes he takes Shiloh to this back alley where she watches a lot of incriminating things happening with Amber. Mm. Um, and, oh, no. and we're, My... we're promised a dance number, and we don't get. Yeah, it. That was the like first time I was like, yes. No, no. no. My favorite <laughs> is she goes to this place. And she meets this sex worker who just immediately, without any prompting, just launches into like her origin story as a surgery addicted <laughs> child prostitute. Like you just approached an NPC and pressed X. Yeah, and then and then Shiloh goes. Where the sex worker says, "Now I'm turning tricks," and Shiloh goes, "Ugh," which is a a whole another fucking puzzle box that I don't want to mess with yeah it's already fucking cursed i'm just like man like lady are you telling that story to everyone like is that your opening line <laughs> yeah that's they're actually it, there's actually Hello? no there's actually no sex in repo land yeah. it's actually just exposition it's it's just like you yeah. you pay and they just tell you their life story that's what everyone's happens. genitals have been um repossessed so they just have to tell you life stories and have word sex but they do yeah. like do a lot of bumping and grinding so I hate to point out a technical inaccuracy in our wonderful Zydrate song. Uh, guns don't have batteries. This gun does. In Repo Land, they do. This is an electric gun. They don't have any gunpowder, I guess. They don't have paper and they don't have gunpowder. Yeah. Because all the gunpowder are just like little plastic. Fake organs. Put, it in, put it in the gun like a battery. I'm like, what guns are you using? <laughs> It's a, I, it's like a hypo spray. This is yeah. written by somebody who's only ever seen X Men the animated series. <laughs> These <laughs> guns go guns. This is the song that's called Zydrate Anatomy, right? Is that the, yes. that's the song that we're on? So again, like I was saying, like it starts off, it's like classic. Like, all right, here we go. We got our we got our our limber characters because of you know whatever, and they're gonna do their dance number. Like, this is musical yeah. theater one hundred and one, and they don't do it. They don't do yeah. it. Yeah, there's um, a bunch of extras who are be- who are you just look at and you're like, oh, here are the background dancers. Here's here the, are the dancers. dancers. This is- and, and then it's just Paris Hilton grinding on a door. There. Yeah, I do love uh, that uh, Paris Hilton has her BDSM Chippendale twin minions. So yeah. I do like that. Like, also like, don't uh, dance. Like father, yeah. like daughter. We have multi-generation, like sexy twin hench <laughs> people. I love the sexy twin hench people. I fucking love that. And that's something that like, you know, that's like a thing for me. Like if I, the next time, it depends on the convention, of course, because, you know, I make <laughs> comics for kids, but I would fucking love to like cut, roll in with two people, like with cut bods <laughs> and gas masks. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, be yeah. like, I'm here it. now. Wasn't it just like an over, like, wasn't it like a risky business thing? It was like an oversized dress shirt, fishnets, and a gas mask. Wasn't that their outfit? I'm trying to remember. Yes. That was the yes. girls. The guys just yes. had straps. Oh, the yeah. guys were just straps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're just, like with their tits sunglasses. out and everything. Man, when I, can get, anyway, when I can go to conventions again. Repo. 
I'm just gonna stroll down the artist alley. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, oh. I feel like this is another this is another instance where Anna and the Apocalypse did it better because they're Chippendales dance. <laughs> yeah, they yes, do. Yeah. They're Christmas themed Chippendales. I do have a note that I was like, "Wow, Paris Hilton actually brought it vocally for this number." I was surprised. I yeah. assume so. I yeah, assume yeah. that's her singing voice. Yeah. yeah. No, this I mean, this is like a decent Lords of Acid song. Like this song is is I mean the movie's really getting like progressively better with the the dialogue thing and the and the song thing. Yeah, it you know? definitely. Yeah, the back half is much is much better than the first half, which oh, yeah. sucks because you watch the first half and you're like, good god. <laughs> I, I feel like 2008. That was probably when Harris Hilton was trying to like kind of counteract some of that branding that had gotten a little. This out is of about control. the same time that House of Wax comes out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it, it's but it's post Simple Life or whatever yeah. the hell that show was called. Like, because like we all now that. know that that was you know, because we were all idiots. So it was like, what? The, the people on the TV wouldn't lie, and we now know that she's an incredibly in like intelligent and savvy like businesswoman and very intelligent person. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, this definitely would have been that like House of Wax period, like around the same time, I think. Yeah. Also, I was reading. So Darren Lynn Boozman, the director, said that Paris Hilton was so passionate about the film being made uh, that when the production was going to be halted because they were over budget by $50,000, uh, Hilton made a paid appearance at a nightclub for that sum to make up the difference uh, to help keep the filming going, um, despite of which she is not credited as a producer for the movie. Um, but like... <laughs> Paris Hilton, good egg. Yeah, yeah good who, on you, Paris. Who yeah. Um, Paris Hilton saved Repo. We can watch Repo because of Paris Hilton. Thank you, I Paris mean, Hilton. Look, we as a society owe Paris Hilton an apology. Hashtag Paris is good. Restore <laughs> yeah, the Repoverse. Sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, with with our, I mean, with with the writers, at least the writers present, because after we're not apologizing to Megan Fox, then we can make our way to yes. Paris Hilton. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So they they do this whole bit in the back alleyway. We learned all about how uh, Amber, who is supposed to be, who is supposed to have formed this support group to you know help people who are addicted to little little blue little glass vials. Little glass so, vial. No, never mind. Little glass vial. Um, to you know, get over this stuff that she is actually addicted to this and addicted to surgery and keeps getting you know more and more surgeries. Um, you know, she's as deep down in this as anybody. Um, after which, finding out all of this stuff, I guess the police show up, everybody runs away, and Shiloh ends up back at her house, uh, where Blind Mag has uh come to meet her. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So Nathan is given the contract to kill Bl- or to take Blind Mag's I think, eyes. I think this plot has he refuses to do that, and this then plot has finally broken Jeremy. And then, like Blind Mag shows up at his house to tell Shiloh about how she's supposed to be her godmother, but offer her nothing of any use or substance other than a hologram of her mother from her eyes. But she's seen holograms of her mother; they're fucking everywhere in her house. <laughs> Um, this one's from her eyes though yes and, and singing and then nathan shows up and is like uh you should leave and she's like oh but the repo man is out there she's gonna, have... gonna kill uh this this only person who cares about us and nathan is like no really you should leave um Yo, that 
the speak the speakers are impressive. Like, man, imagine having both hologram projectors and speakers in your eyeballs. Imagine, yeah, imagine if sound came out of your eyes. What? <laughs> you your face vibrate. You get too much bass. <laughs> Very, Can you, Jeremy, that would be a thing. Like, there would be a lawsuit where the first person that got that would be like, oh shit, they played bass nectar. And like, You're, yeah, like, and they gave themselves a stroke. Your brains must be scrambled. Like, you turn up, it's like, blah, 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 blah. wait, did we skip who ordered pizza? Did that happen yet? What? What? There's this, there's this song, like, like I think, no, Repo Man shows up with the spine, and then Luigi's like, who ordered pizza? oh that's the whole that's where they get into the contract bit this is actually like a whole song yeah and they go into like the the dexter kill room and they sing about like they try and convince him to kill blind mag yeah 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 this is where we're at this is where we're at they they recap everything that we've already learned in the flashbacks which this would be a great place to do that so we didn't need the flashbacks Um, (laughs) yes thank you this would be a great time in the plot to actually learn about the relationship they all have which they they do sing about yeah and this is this whole scene is that and then there's also dancers which we don't really see we just see kind of their legs and them writhing around because they're sort of the service people who also are like all of the people of color in this movie are Mm. these service women or like random ass people in the background um i mean and this is the scene where we get anthony stewart head literally falling to his knees singing passionately about how he is responsible for the death of his wife yeah um, and yeah. and and there's some good ass backups with the, yeah. the remember what you did to money it's really good like it was a hook i was into it yeah um yeah literally again every time like, anthony stewart head is singing the movie gets marginally better all of this <laughs> then you're all like oh, wait. exposition and backup stuff like Sweeney Todd proved that you only need like one song to do that, right? Like Sweeney sings, there was a barber and his wife. And you're like, I'm done. I get it. Like there's nothing else. You don't need anything else beyond like a three minute song. And yet this movie just retreads and retreads and retreads in an already thin plot. This backstory. Songs I feel like are exploring theme. They're all very just what the plot needs to be. Like, I don't know how different these lyrics would be if they were just straight dialogue. Like, the music feels very functional. And then... Yeah. yeah it's hard because it's it, it's hard because it's trying to do an opera. It's trying to do yeah. the opera thing where the music is the plot and that everything is sung. It but, doesn't have, like, the choruses. It doesn't have, like... It just doesn't... Like, even the, the big songs... And again, I know jack shit all about music, but it doesn't have the big choruses or the things we can clearly recognize as distinct, like, I don't know, differences. I don't, the only thing I can really compare it to is you know, in terms of a musical uh, that has, is all singing is Hamilton. And uh, this ain't no Hamilton. No, this ain't. <laughs> no, but no. <laughs> but Hamilton's also, Hamilton, like, there are some of those songs that are very exposition heavy and, and plot driven, but because the music is good enough but or because the, like, yeah, the hooks good. are good enough yeah. that you're like, you're like, all right, okay. It has the hooks, doing... it has the chorus. Like, yeah, it can't they be dance. done. They dance. Yeah. They dance. <laughs> there's cool but choreography they, to see. Well, they don't have to dance. Like, there's t- two of my recommendations later in the evening is Tommy, who's Tommy, which is oh. also sung through there's literally like I, I directed that show. You could start at 8 p.m. It will end at 9:59 every night because like like you press play and it it's performed. There's no dialogue. It's just that. 
And if you miss some exposition, it happens. But the hooks are there. The music is there. It keeps you driven, right? Which is why some of these Anthony Stewart head songs, like the one that we're just talking about, which feels a little bit more like a rock musical number, that's when the show, the film, really kind of works. Total, absolutely. That's like, that's when the movie like really starts to sing and I just wish it did it more. Yeah, because I mean, everybody else is, especially Shiloh is doing like Nightmare Before Christmas. (laughs) And every time like, every time Anthony Stewart head comes on, he's doing hot patootie, like, He's you know <laughs> that level. He's of doing like, Rocky Horror. Yeah, he's yeah, doing Rocky he's Horror. He's doing Rocky Horror. Like, yeah, he's really like he's killing it, and like the rest, of, most of these other parts just aren't written to that level. Um, and you know both. Yeah, yeah, both. The I would other say Paris. Two, like, I would say Paris and Anthony are doing Rocky Horror. Obviously, Anthony Stewart Head is a better singer and 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 kind of rock star persona, but I think Paris knows that she's also in a Rocky Horror type show and trying to do that as well. Oh yeah, I Paris is like once I realized it was Paris Hilton, uh, really enjoyable whatever she's on. Like the way <laughs> when she's doing that dance and she just it's subtle physical comedy, but the way she just keeps like I mean, not it's not subtle i mean it's the focus of the scene but it's just it's very well done physical comedy when she keeps having to like get, keep her face up while doing a, <laughs> like a pop song yeah it's uh, it's good it's i was going to compare it to uh, a little bit alexis but like that is very like based on paris hilton already yeah she's she's the original great. except no substitute <laughs> Yeah. Um, Actually, except substitutes. Alexis is great. I love Alexis. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we get to the scene that we talked about with 17, uh, which mm-hmm. is our rebellious rock number. Nathan is, yes. is thrown Blind Mag out, and Shiloh's like, You can't control me. I'm going to sing a rebellious rock song with Joan Jett, who's in my closet. Okay. Um, well, before the song starts, she specifically says, 17 is better than 40. It's so, so good. I'm like, I wrote it down. Mm. <laughs> Did Anthony was that in Anthony Stewart's head's contract? Like, like four, like forty. Uh, I looked that up. He would have been like at least fifty-four when this movie came out. Oh, what a line! Bless, a yeah, that's a. It was a good, and it was a very good segue into the seventeen song. That had and that that whole scene is so fucking fantastic because not only is I mean Joan Jett appears a little bit into it. And her whole outfit changes and the lighting changes. And it, that's where it felt like this is a musical. This is a, a musical number that mm-hmm. represent what the character's about. And then like all of her toys are like dancing. And then like all the doors to the room are full of fans that are being blocked by fucking uh, uh, roadies or whatever. Or, um, what's, what do you call them? Bouncers. There's bouncers. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Thank you. And so they're all being, and and it's so cool. And then like when the song stops, everything is back to normal. So it it was actually like I feel like they did it. They did it for this bit. Yeah, it's right yeah. there. Yeah, they did it. So close. So close. <laughs> yeah. And because the ending of it, the slap, that abuse, like, is a thematic wake-up call. And, like, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, this this five, three-minute moment in this film does what this film should do. 
Like, yeah, listen, like, if someone was like, do you want to write a do you want to write a story set in this universe? I would jump on that. Like, it's a great fictional universe they've set up here. I They just don't do a super lot with it. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the only that is another like gem in this. Mm. In, I don't want to smile in the yeah. <laughs> In the in the in the lot in the pick and pull of this film, <laughs> yeah, and it does end with you know Nathan slapping her and things go back to being horrible. Um, yeah, she's no longer a rebellious teen; she's back to being uh, sad again. And we we cut back over to uh, Amber, who's coming back from surgery, which has been horribly botched, and uh, you know she's she's sent off to emergency surgery by her father. Um, we don't see any of that right now, but you know we we get that her her face is fucked up, uh, which is just further, I guess, further impetus for Roddy to uh, decide that he hates his children because <laughs> uh, she's the only real viable one to take over for him. The other two are psychopaths and imbeciles. Um, yeah, I, I cannot stress enough how much Luigi is just James Caan in Godfather. <laughs> yeah, as a goth cartoon character. Yeah. Like, it could not be more like, hey, remember Sonny Corleone? You don't? Great. This will seem like an original character then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what if Sonny Corleone, but he just stabs everybody every time he walks Stabs up. literally yeah. everyone. Everyone. <laughs> you know, I... That's the one thing I would have liked to see from Luigi is a Luigi musical number in which by the end of it he has slaughtered all of his dancers. Like that <laughs> that, that would have been great. No, that that makes sense to me. He's just like there that's in the a pile kind of, of dead thing, bodies at the end. Like that's the kind of premise this movie was begging for that yeah. just didn't it just doesn't do any of them. Save yeah. that for the Halloween episode of Glee. Like that's 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 Glee. That's Glee caliber. <laughs> creativity like, <laughs> yeah my like i love when anthony stewart hall is using the corpse as a, like a puppet i wish they got a full-on fucking duet <laughs> right well there's so many good like all of the good moments in a lot of these musical numbers are only or you know we almost have a song from luigi where he's yeah. like stabbing people we almost have like a whole song where uh nathan is talking to the corpse and singing with the corpse we could have had a whole bunch of corpses doing backup yeah well that's how it's a lot 58 of, songs in this movie somehow a lot of sing talking with like, aabb rhyming schemes yeah, yeah. Does, a, does someone use a corpse as a battering ram? At yes, some moment yes, yes. Song? At the beginning. Oh my God, yes. Okay, because we it's in the beginning with Grave Robert. We missed it. And I said, my notes like, well, I guess we're not going to get to the, the, the corpse battering ram. That fucking happens. And he yeah. uses a battering ram into the secret tombstone, which reveals, ah. the, I guess, just the open corpse pit from a girl walks home alone at night. Yeah. <laughs> mass, <laughs> which is indoors. Yeah. Just this open, this pseudo outdoors like i guess it's walled off but has no roof just corpse yeah foundation i, I don't know what to call it just the corpse pit yeah i mean the, it, the most disturbing part about that is that he's like yes <laughs> i found I it i that. found the pit full of corpses and I'm meanwhile girls just like oh then he also starts going graves and then the cops come in they're like oh there he is yeah 
Well, he gets this big score of people to fill up his little glass vials, and then little um, glass media- vials, little glass oh, yeah. vials. And then <laughs> he gives himself up, so she gets caught, and he doesn't get the drugs that he needs in order to. I, I don't know what his character is. His character exists in the nebulous reality of Air Raider space. And he yeah. also, at the end of the movie, he's like, goth opera. And I'm like, dude, we know. We're here. <laughs> We're like, here. You don't have to We're tell us. I watched the movie. Yeah. Got it. Like, yeah. If you were a chorus, like a chorus chorus, like a Greek chorus, and you started out with that, and I'd be like, I mean, I could have gotten it from the images, but, or you know. Or the title. Yeah, or the title. <laughs> Or the fact that I, ogres there, uncut chimps didn't need to have Adam Sandler look straight into the camera and go, "Boy, this year has been a stressful, anxiety-inducing day, hasn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man, this is uh, at this point, Shiloh sneaks out uh, to go get her cure from Roddy, um, wearing and- her mom's dress. That Roddy is like, "Please wear this dress." Mm-mm. It oh, was mm-hmm. mother's. Giving yeah. your giving your ex fiance's daughter, your dead ex fiance's daughter her dress. Totes not creepy at all, bro. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Nathan is fighting like armed militia or like armed special agents or whatever they are in the cave. Like by himself. Like he doesn't. <laughs> he's just wearing clothes and carrying a scalpel, cold. and he's just like murdering these. You know, guys yeah. in body armor with the scalpel, this no problem. This is when we get the version of this movie that's horror old boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Horror Except it's not boy. all one shot. Yeah, no. exactly. This film wants. This movie's definitely not doing one shot action takes. No, it's not. Because it has to interrupt its own action takes with comic book panels of the action. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> But then we get to the climax. We're doing the opera, which I think is the name of the actual song. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, here's the opera, guys. The opera, you know, like in the title. (laughs) Um, The titular opera. It is, in fact, the the titular opera. The titular opera. I do when that when the action opera. scene went it's... into panels. I didn't yell at my TV like I've done at some movies, but I did whisper under my breath, "Oh fuck off!" <laughs> <laughs> the it's called a genetic opera. Blind Mag sings the in dialogue, in title genetic opera is what they called it. I don't know why it's genetic. And maybe it's because it's Gene Co presented. Ugh, they don't talk about. I mean. It's, uh, there's no T in scales. You got A, B, I want to say it C, reminded me of D, G, but no I want, T. I so you can't have A, C, T. Sorry, I'm talking about genes. Go on. I want to say this reminded me of Fifth Element, but I feel that's just like, hey, the genre movie with opera reminded me of the other genre movie with opera. I also deep ass analysis. Down. I also wrote that down because actually like like there were some like riffs and like musical bits that I was like where have I heard this before and it's it's similar to the the opera scene in, in Fifth Element. Yeah. So I think it's valid. Yeah, no, that's a valid comparison. Um A+, plus. but the the also like Shiloh sneaks out. She's in a limousine with a man with an incredible mustache driving. 
um this vassal of hers like i'm really sad that he's not in the movie more because this dude is like also amazing but whatever you know if i were to choose between the ladies with the the uh gas masks and him it's gas masks every time but they send her into the Jinko building and then she watches like an ancient ass like silent film version of her instructions yes jeremy so this bit is actually edited there's a guest editor, uh, Kevin Grudert, who is Darren Lynn Boozman's editor from the Saw films, uh, who ah. is, comes in to make this movie look like a Saw film. Um, <laughs> I, it's it's weird. It's like they had an idea and it's kind of half there. Like yeah, so this movie. So it's just like this random ass. Like instead of just giving her, you know, some some clear paper some um transparencies to look at i mean it is pretty dark that's another thing is this world is so fucking dark but we're supposed to read shit on transparent anyway (laughs) is a black light reactive i don't know but um so she's like watching this shit on a little like um it's not eight millimeter because it's actually like pre eight millimeter fucking silent film shit anyway and then they're like hey 17 year old girl with a chronic illness that has a, a blood sickness they can't live without being medicated every like hour can you assassinate this guy that just killed a whole bunch of our soldiers in armor cool okay thanks well to me it's i like oh i like this plan this is a good like vengeance plot you like you turn her you like you convince her that this repo monster is after her knowing that it's her father there trying to save her and that's like and you give her like a gun and she kills him like she kills her she's tricked into killing her own father sad and now we go into act three with her with a character arc and agency and instead of a gun they give her a shovel yeah and also this whole bit where they're like they try to get the repo man earlier and they say on the PA of the floating blimps with the like and also when are we gonna get these fucking floating these drone uh billboards that speak specifically to her I guess but then they're screaming that Nathan is the repo man earlier and I guess (laughs) she was in the car and she didn't get it so I don't know audience is just chilling like this audience is just down for whatever happened (laughs) yeah so yeah this opera uh we get a little bit of dancing this is when we get a little bit of dancing on the entrance (laughs) and fucking record scratching (laughs) record scratch with dj granny dj yeah the granny dj is fucking great (laughs) yeah the opera starts amber has the first number gets part of the way through the song and her face falls off in front of everybody grotesque grotesque (laughs) i feel so bad for her uh yeah and then yes so she they start booing and she runs off sad um and Ashley Simpson thought she had it tough. <laughs> that joke would have been topical when this movie came out. <laughs> it may be specifically what this was referencing, but alas. This is the part of the plot where I got fucking annoyed, which is uh, Mags <laughs> comes is? out to do her final performance and mm-hmm. sings the hell out of some opera and then mm-hmm. goes ahead and climbs on to some, uh, you know, uh some stuff to to lift her up above the stage so she can give her angelic performance above the stage 
And then while she's floating above the stage, decides to give a real fuck you to uh, Roddy and uh, says, you know, he can't take her eyes. She's going to take him out herself and gouges out her own robotic eyes in the middle of the performance. Mm. Um, yeah, that's gross. Which he reacts to by fucking cutting her harness and letting her fall and get impaled on the yeah. uh, ruthless fence, ruthless. which is part of the stage for no reason. Reese. Which is some big, you can't quit, you're fired energy. Yeah. Yep. He just got, and he does this so nonchalantly too. Like she, and everyone's like, oh, it's like clutching their pearls. And he's just like, love it. Love and- that. I was, sh- <laughs> I was shocked. I wrote WTF in my notes. Freaking out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when I saw that, I saw Chekhov's wrought iron fence there. Um, <laughs> I was like, mm. yeah. Meanwhile, uh the repo stumbles in and finds his wife's wedding his wife's dress set up on a chair and isn't sure what to make of that until he gets hit by a shovel and it turns out to be his daughter um the shovel knocks his his hat off just enough that they can have an argument about how he's the repo man um and i guess she doesn't want anything to do with that uh it's mm-hmm. a, I'm a little unsure because they've really had a tough time establishing this whole repo man thing as as Ben has noted, they could have done a better version of that. Um, and, and they argue the their way onto the stage in the middle of the opera. And as far as we know right now, he's done his, you know, he's just been like done this job to keep her safe, I guess. We don't know about the poison thing, but as far as she knows, she's like, fuck you, dad. And yeah. then, well, she's 17. So or she's 17. Well, yeah, but like it's better than 40. <laughs> he he kind of makes a solid point until you find out about the poisoning thing, which doesn't I don't know why. Why? They never talk about why. Never yeah, talk about like, why he to keep her me. safe, to keep her locked up and safe upstairs. He's a psycho, man. He, he, he gets a yeah, mouth yeah. puppet with people. I mean, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the the way that this thing plays out, which is like Repo gets he gets uh, or I guess Shiloh passes out because she's so stressed from all of this stuff and wakes up to find that like her her father is like tied up to a chair, um, and Roddy is like, "Hey, tell you what, you shoot him, I'll give you your cure." And he's like, "She's like, no, I I can't shoot him," and he's like, "Well, guess what?" Uh, he's actually been poisoning you you're not actually sick um you know that's that's why you should shoot him you don't even need a cure this is your cure you me telling you this um which i know roddy is the villain but if look if there's ever if there's such thing as a good reason to shoot your parent uh (laughs) i feel like finding out you've been poisoned by them and poisoned and gaslit your entire life yeah, and I like mean, he's it's basically he this, a... and he, you know, poured poison into your father's ear uh, before marrying your mother. It's she okay. This is Hamlet. He... If Hamlet's dad had killed his mom, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing he... makes sense. He makes the case for being the repo man earlier, and he's like, I just wanted to protect you, so I had to take this extra job. Like, okay, you know, that's something that the fa- like, yeah, that's going to cause some trust issues in the family, but. That's something that, you know, we can see the greater good in. And especially in this, you know, whatever this world is. But then the poisoning thing, like, she finds out. And she's like, what the fuck? And then Paul Sorvino's like, you gotta kill him! And, um... 
She's like, no. And so... Yeah, she still wants you to... Finally, Roddy's like, fuck it, I'll shoot him, I guess. Uh, (laughs) None of this shit is working out the way I want it to. So he shoots Nathan and then falls down dead in the middle of the stage. He just gets so stressed out that he's like, oh, no, I didn't get my air, my... So just... yeah. Fuck it. I died. You know, if you if you had coughed up that blood in an earlier scene, I would have bought it. I mean, it's still just it's the plot. Like, I just still can't get over like the conflict there works. Like it's such a natural thing. Like he's presented himself as a kindly doctor to his daughter. She finds out he's a professional vicious killer. That's enough conflict for an interesting father-daughter relationship. And then they throw in Oh, but also he's a complete monster with no redeeming qualities, actually. Yeah. And is, and is a horrible, horrible father in every way imaginable. And then as he is, as she finds this out, and as he is dying, they do their little their little song there yeah. that is incredibly long for uh, any of the musical numbers of this film. And it's definitely inappropriate. Like, definitely, yeah, super inappropriate. I felt so uncomfortable when they just singing this song to each it other. It was like a love song. Yeah, it was not like a father daughter love song. But then, like, no, no discussion about like, oh, hey, dad, why did you poison me? What the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we could have had that. It's interesting because at the end, like, she like wipes her tears and she just like leaves all those dead bodies on the stage and walks out the door. And I was like, in some iteration of this. It's her just being like, I wash my hands of all of this I'm, terribleness. Yeah. And she sings like, free at last. And then she walks out the door. And I was like, I, you know what, Shiloh? You go do your thing. Like, that is a her most song powerful. here, like a triumphant I, song for her leaving nope. this behind. But she just walks out the fucking door and is out of the movie. She walks I out want, this opera. She's like, I don't want any part of this video. I want the version of this ending told from the perspective of like some of the audience members like one comes back is like hey i was in the bathrooms i missed anything exciting i was like oh man it's wild all right so that girl's dad was like poisoning her her entire life he's also the repo man (laughs) yeah and then like our version of like savior bill gates shot him and then he just died i don't know why he died but he's dead now and he also mentioned that he was gonna leave his company to the girl that we no one knows who the fuck she's supposed to be other than the repo man's daughter mm-hmm. and then the siblings are there and they're just like ah. and um somewhere there's like the new york times review just being like this shit's getting five stars tomorrow fucking wild <laughs> yeah yeah twist don't there, stop coming there is a point in this song though where <laughs> shiloh's singing what the like basically like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, Classic. I uh, I relate. Yeah, that's the one this, thing where I'm like, oh, I relate with this character now. There was finish was like an with like an Animal House ending of like the siblings walking out the door. That's getting like little captions about what went on to happen to them afterwards. <laughs> yeah. They get everything they wanted. That's yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. afterwards. They win. Which hey, you know, again, in some world, this is a a critical reading of capitalism and cronyism and uh, nepotism and that's what's happening there at the end. Not, yeah. Except it's really the result of Shiloh once again not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much blood on that stage. 
she like Shiloh falls down at one point and I'm like, girl, you are going to be covered in blood. And then I will give it to the film. She was covered in blood. So yeah. there's some consistency to see there. Okay. Oh, this. So- yeah, not since Cabin in the Woods has there been a final girl who did less than Shiloh. <laughs> <laughs> I, Surprised that Rodney didn't just flip off the whole audience before, just like he definitely just like died out of sweat. Like Rodney uh, absolutely yeah, right. killed himself to die on the spot. Should have fucking like terminated it. He, he concentrated real hard and just made his heart. And he's like, "Well, fuck, my plans are fucked. I hate my kids. My enemy is dead. Fuck the world. Fuck you. I'm out." <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my tr- my drop hard stuff. Oh, I'm oh. Does my own fucking heart. Blood saga. Yeah, blood and then we cut saga. to the narrator. And I'm like, fuck this guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. It was. <laughs> we did it. I. It makes me sad not to be able to like something this aggressively weird and unique, but uh, I, 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 I can say I fully rec- I can't recommend it. I can see how a movie like this becomes like a, a cult film. Like yeah. there are things about it that like from the style of it, from the kind of really kind of kitschy schlocky moments of it and just the kind of excessive gore stuff part to it too i i can see how people love it and love making fun of it and love watching it and love emulating it like i don't know if they're gonna do like repo nights like they do rocky horror nights and continue to do rocky horror nights but i'm sure somewhere some people do and i'm sure i and i applaud them for that i definitely had a blast talking about it with y'all tonight (laughs) like this was this has been a lot of fun getting to dissect this weird weird ass movie I immediately took to social media when I saw this film for the first time and I had some some things to say and I was actually really surprised by how many of my friends liked it and I and not you know not the despair because again like um as you say there's a lot to like about it I mean in terms of the style and in terms of like how weird it is and how fun it can be and this is like a movie that either would be perfect to be in the background at a club just projected on a wall absolutely or like midnight film like the how we used to have trash film orgies in sacramento and stuff and everybody's hammered and yelling and like like a rocky horror thing 100 percent. yeah like this is a fucking fantastic party movie yeah unfortunately it's not you know the the this experience is not the same if you're sober by yourself looking at a computer (laughs) and you know looking at it what we're saying critical eye it's a great party movie it's not so great a movie movie yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a decent uh 90 minute long music video and i say mm-hmm. decent i mean they did throw toilet paper at the screen at one point but yeah <laughs> one, of the, one of the other crazy things is that like the this not the director who continues to do some movies but the writers and the grave man uh, whatever <laughs> they, they did other movies like in a similar vein i think it's called like the devil's carnival or something yeah. Like that. oh yeah yeah and yep. and and paulie and alexa vega like they show up for those movies like they're in those movies so like they must have had a good time making it or something. Paul Servino plays God. 
Yeah, and those movies Holy have shit. a fraction of the budget compared to this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This movie is like four million dollars. Uh, those are like a few hundred thousand. So yeah. it's a movie. I feel like it's in this weird spot where it's like it's too polished and expensive looking to feel indie and it's like it's too well put together like to feel like so bad it's too it's not it's both too good and not bad enough to be like so bad it's good but it's not good enough Mm. to be good like it falls could have been somebody it could have been a contender (laughs) instead of a bum which is what you are it is mediocre mediocre with some diamonds, as you were saying before. Yeah, yeah. so there's some diamonds in that rough, but you know. And, again, and, and if you love this movie, if this movie is a favorite of yours, I do not seek to take away from that in any way, shape, or form. Thanks. I think I, that is awesome. It's definitely I, something that I watched and I was like, there are people out there that love this movie. I, yeah. I can tell like that this is a movie that somebody dearly loves. It's and not me. It's important. But... I understand why. Like, I yeah. get why yeah. people love it. Yeah, it's like Drive Angry. Like a lot of people love Drive Angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that movie Oof. is a film. It is a shot on a camera, but um, <laughs> um, least in a format. Yeah. yeah so uh, let's talk a little bit about the politics. I think we've covered a lot of this stuff already. Um, yeah. There is no meaningful LGBTQIA representation in this, which is weird because there should be. Like yeah, yeah. It it's such a it's such a queer movie without having any sort of queer yeah. representation in it whatsoever. It is I, forever frustrating. I thought I thought well we got that alleyway scene. I was like, all right, we're gonna start digging in here, and then it, we just never did. Yeah, I know it's painfully straight. The um, straightening of cyberpunk is a continual frustration. I mean, and it is mirrored by again the whiteness of this movie, like. Mm-hmm. There are no meaningful roles for non-white people in this movie. I did pause it at one point, and I was watching it on um, uh, and on the the streaming service. It had like the actors in the scene, and it said oh, like yeah. Mag's Asian dancer, and I was like, "That's what we're going with here." Like, like that's uh, <laughs> that, like that's the that's the max of people of color in this yeah. film. Yeah, and here's the thing. I I am so tired of not seeing black goths. Mm-hmm. I like there are all these goth movies, and they are white as a sheet. And I'm like, yeah, ghosts uh, wear sheets. This is gonna get okay. Let's let's divert because I don't want to talk about white sheets anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, you were you were digging that with your. Yeah, that was like, oh god, I I hit I. That's a grave. Um, no, you but just like, found the mass grave and in, in that one. Oh no, and um, I'm like, yeah, this is not the those... Get me out of here. But yeah, yeah those... no, there are black thoughts and they need to be in film. Please, there is. I rem- again, it was in the alleyway scene. There, it, one of the one of the the zydrate extras was a a black character with orange hair. Who had a line? I think I may be imagining, I may be projecting, but I, I think that happened. And I was like, again, I was like, okay, here we go. We're in the underworld. We're gonna start learning the reality. And then, obviously, as yeah. I've been saying, it does, it didn't happen. Yeah, and most of the other color- characters of color were the the service women who mostly got stabbed by Luigi. Yeah. So Brad. Yeah. Women are sexy lamps too, for the most part. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I guess, do we want to talk about uh, any of sort of the feminism of the four female characters we, we do kind of have here? I guess uh, we've got... But you've included Marnie, who is never in the film. Holograms. <laughs> I mean, she's I in holograms and backgrounds and flashbacks. and Eye projections. I that like... counts just as much as, you know people of color in the background yeah, I feel like Arnie and Shiloh are I guess we have uh, Rod, I guess we have Roddy's uh, awesome uh, hench pe- like hench twins with their awesome blazers and fishnets who seem really cool until they're utterly ineffective and then just get kind of pushed around by yeah. Anthony Stewart it's hard because you have these characters like blind mag is an example who like makes a choice that is ostensibly empowering but but she then gets literally cut and falls onto an iron rot fence you know like uh, and same thing with shiloh like is her walking out on all of this nonsense at the end of the movie is it an empowering kind of choice or not like okay i could see a reading that justifies that but i, I don't think that the movie pans out in that way this yeah, I mean, movie if she suffers. Had a meaningful journey as the protagonist of this story. Yeah. Then her walking away at the end, like, would feel important, but like she she doesn't. This movie suffers from strong female character silhouette syndrome a lot mm-hmm. because it it presents these characters. It's like, oh, look at these characters. They're sort of protagonists and they look cool, but mm-hmm. they don't do shit. You know, Blind Mag right. is so cool. She's yeah. Really cool. And all she and she's mostly in the background for the most of the movie on you know TV screens and stuff. And then the one time she, the, there's two scenes where she does anything. She goes to the house and gets kicked out immediately. And then yeah. you know she uh, <laughs> she tells Roddy where he can stick it, and then she kills him or he kills her. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, that's it's very like it's very 2008 in that regard. It's like, yeah, we have strong women at the center of our film. One might call it Hoydenesque. Yes. Yes. Oh, um, that's a bad kind of ask. It's, but I mean, I think it's accurate. I think I 100%. I didn't, yeah. even, I, the movie started and I was like, oh, Giles, Giles is in this movie. I bet you we're gonna have a strong female protagonist. <laughs> it's, it's a bad ask, but it's an accurate ask. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the uh, Resident Evil, Alice had more agency in that film than any oh, yeah. film in this film. She so, chose to roundhouse kick that dog in the face. <laughs> she also, I mean, good, good, good she does w- wake up and pull the shit out of her neck. I can't remember what happens in the end of that movie other than she's naked. And in the apocalypse, this is not... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, Anna and the Apocalypse, this is the movie that... This makes me want to go and rewatch Anna and the Apocalypse. Well, right? I'm glad that it has done this because Anna and the Apocalypse fucking slaps. No, we fucking love that. It yeah. does. Oh, um, it's, Anna and the Apocalypse is a big big favorite here. For <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the wild thing is that this movie has a lot to say about class and yeah. it has something to say about illness and particularly in, in Blind Mag's case... Uh, you know disability 
but it never really gets around to saying them or it says them over and over and over. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're sort of background to the rest of the story and it never really deals with the class stuff other than like, you know, you have a repo man running around cutting the organs out of people because, you know, they didn't pay for the organs. So mm-hmm. yeah, all the, all the class issues and the illness issues are sort of taken as red. And especially with the illness issues, there's a lot there that, I mean, that's that's that problematic area of dealing with illness and main characters as sort of like a plot point without really talking about how that it affects them other than like it, you know, it is something that is a conflict for them, but we don't really talk about it. We never see, aside from Mag, who comes at it from kind of like the highest position of class when this movie is even as like there's even as someone under, um, you know, Gene Coe's thumb. Uh, for all the people we see who kind of have their organs repossessed, we never see things from their perspective. We never see what led them to have to get the surgeries. Uh, we never see what led to them falling behind on payments. They yeah. really only exist to be gory thrill kills uh, for Anthony Stewart head to head. Meat puppets. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, would we recommend people watch this movie? I would while drunk. Both. Yeah. It, it's it while again, drunk, or you'd recommend people watch it while drunk? Yes. If you're having a party, you need something fun and Suki with cool visuals on, like while your friend, while you're having a few beers and talking with and chatting with friends, throw it on. Yeah. Otherwise, there's just yeah. I wish it, I could recommend it, but I can't. I was watching it and my partner was at the, the kitchen table and, and she was literally just like, what the fuck is this? And she is like a, like a music person, teacher, like music educator, loves theater, all of that. Um, and I was like, oh, this is like, you know, horror opera thing. So like on the one hand, it's really hard to recommend even to people who like truck in my musical circles this too yeah. on the other hand like i literally got a, a comic sent to the the talking comics uh email the other day just like hey you know working on this book and listed as one of the kind of suggested references is repo uh the genetic opera so like the con- the central kind of conceit of it of this idea of like repoing organs and the kind of capitalist uh um uh, criticism that's going on in the film has impacted people in the last 12 13 years that this movie has been out to yeah. the point where like this this idea of of what this movie is about has permeated other kind of um cultural elements and obviously as we talk about things like like the sad, sad and sorry state of healthcare in this country uh watching repo as we kind of said at the top does feel existentially like like relevant to a degree yeah. and and terrifying there's something um, there's a real fear and something very relatable something that really captures the imagination in this movie i just wish it wasn't in like just the premise of the yeah. movie and in it's like world building and not really so much the plot yeah i i what you were saying about you know writing a comic in this world I've, I really feel that because there's a lot of interesting things in the world building and they set up the world uh, and this this repo thing and it's like, all right, I'm interested in this. And then the movie is more interested in the love triangle 
which is yeah from which a third piece is missing Wild. it's just the the two dudes that are in the movie like yeah. marnie is not on screen at any point other than you know in hologram um so like i will say for fans of spy kids i don't know i don't know if this is <laughs> i don't know if this is a go-to for them for for fans of anthony stewart head you know if 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 you're into, I'll say again, the raw sexual energy of Anthony Stewart Head, <laughs> this is there's something there for that. Yeah. If you if you just watch Paul Sorvino in Goodfellas and you were like, what should I watch next? Check out Repo. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Goodfellas, I did not think would be a watch a life title for that. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the, I yeah. My, I do uh, have recommendations though. I do have recommendations. Well, on on that subject, I. Joey, what do you recommend? Well, okay, so I, I approached this, so I looked at your notes and, and already some of the kind of like film iterations that I think people ought to go to from, from this uh, uh, felt relevant. But since you brought me on to talk about this from like a musical perspective, I was thinking about some of the musicals that, that might line up with this. And there are some musical versions of Evil Dead, Carrie, and Toxic Avenger that fall into all the same kind of uh, traps of trying to do like a rock opera version of a horror film um, that this one does, but kind of is aware of that and, and has fun with it. So I, I would definitely recommend those. Also, if you're one of the few people that were able to see Spider-Man turn off the dark on Broadway, which I am, and I saw twice this, oh, wow. that, that, that show in all of its kind of like total utter, like just failures on so many levels it was so much fun and i loved and i loved watching but some of the music and it actually reminded me of it the song that the green goblin sings he sings a song called uh freak like me and it's like and it's fantastic and oh, it sounds oh my like God. something from this it sounds like something from this show uh from repo um is that the song a, where he introduces the Sinister Six? Because I've, yes, I've seen part of yes, that. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. The fact uh, that they also, have Swarm in that show is just, it's, it's fascinating. It your mind. It's, it's awful, but it's so wonderful. I saw it twice. Um, on like a good note, uh, there's a show that came out a couple of years ago called um, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, uh, which is based on like a hundred page chunk of, of War and Peace. Um, that show is incredible because... It's like a, it's like an acid trip club, EDM music. It, 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 it just pounds and pounds and pounds. It is a crazy, crazy show. I got a lot of the vibes from that too, um, with this. Um, uh, another musical called "Be More Chill," which is a, a sci-fi musical, came out a couple of uh, years ago uh, about supercomputers and brains. That one is worth checking out too. And then this is, you're not going to be able to find this, but it's very much kind of what I immediately thought of. Um, a few friends of mine back in our college days wrote a show called Zipper Face, the Hobo Musical. And what it is, is they found in a bargain bin at a gas station, a B-movie slasher film called Zipper Face, in which a man in a zipper face bondage mask goes around with a machete, killing people in the streets so they found this dvd they turned it into a musical and they brought it to new york it was off off broadway it was so fun there might be video of it online there's a great line at where he, it's amazing. like the big chorus and it goes zipper face 
He's got zippers on his face. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like the ass, Mortal Kombat yeah, soundtrack. Exactly. And it's like he's got a want... machete. <laughs> oh, baby, okay, he's look, ready. This is making me really want a Mortal Kombat Broadway musical. Do it. Yes. So those are my kind of musical recommendations for every uh, listeners at home. Scorpion <laughs> and get over here. Well, have you also heard... watch Tommy? Tommy, I oh just yeah, Tommy's. Don't let awesome. me sing. Don't let me sing ever again. Ben, have you heard the original album, the Mortal Kombat album by the Immortals, that has a song for every character in the original Mortal Kombat? I have not. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, Send them links. Oh my god. Emily, it's it sounds all... like you're already there. So, what are you going to recommend? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have a list. Oh, we know. Yes. Well, if you see <laughs> the note. Um. All right. So, I have I have sections here. So, if you're into the goth quality of this, if you really like goth movies that are quintessentially goth and about being goth, goth not just goth movies, but you know, comic books, whatever um that involve young girls that actually have agency the crow the character has some agency the main character is is uh eric draven but there's also black goths in that movie that have mad, like actual speaking roles it's very important um if you're if you're goth then watch the crow or if you want to be whatever uh there's a comic called courtney cromerin and the night things which is actually getting a uh a continuation this year um uh, by ted nafee uh, not just because he's a friend of ours, but it's I love the bejesus out of that comic. It's really great. It's very goth. It's also very fun, and it's um, got the fantastic. It's it's more of like a fairy tale kind of um, uh, labyrinthy kind of thing, um, but similar kind of like very goth vibe, um, and uh, a lot more chutzpah than the than this movie has in terms of giving its female characters some some uh, some agency. Um, if you like the uh, aesthetic of this movie, I'd recommend City of Lost Children. Um, basically, this film's backdrop is 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 uh, taken almost directly from City of City of Lost Children, also with the the transhumanist kind of stuff going on there. Uh, that's a French film um i believe jean-pierre Jeunet, who does that one uh also who also directed um alien resurrection and amelie hmm. um i know so those are some things if you hmm. like um weird ass musical films some of which involve paul sorvino there is romeo and juliet from the 90s with uh um uh leonardo DiCaprio and claire danes and then um the same director also did moulin rouge mm -hmm. with uma gregor that's very similar vibe much much more fun in terms of like you know musical numbers and the musical quality of that movie that movie has some fucking fantastic musical numbers that i think that this movie really tried to to do like tried mm -hmm. to recreate and didn't quite work out um and then there's uh if you like weird ass musical numbers with weird animation i try out the wall pink floyd's the wall that's a that's a classic and also very goth um and uh and phantom of the paradise brian de palma um real good there's another like really weird 
sort of off-brand Rocky Horror Picture Show-esque film. And if you like the music in this film and you just want to watch music videos of it, you don't want to see it ham-fisted into a, like a plot that's 90 <laughs> minutes long, can watch videos by Skinny Puppy, by Malice Miser, a Japanese visual K band. Um, and then there is the, there's a film, Black Symphony by Within Temptation, which is basically what this film's musical numbers with uh, Sarah Brightman attempted. Um, and those are fucking fantastic. So uh, there you go. That's a lot of stuff. But I have it. All right. You. Awesome. Ben, what do you got? I, I'm going to focus on the cyberpunk for my recommendations. I'm going to say in the video game uh, world because you're like me and you like kind of uh, the scraps of transhumanism that this was offered and you want something that really goes all in on transhumanism uh if you want in the video game world if you want body modification gone horribly wrong check out bioshock if you want an uh, a game full of cyberpunk uh coolness really looking at uh, a character in a world that really reflects uh you know, just kind of looking at transhumanist themes, uh, check out the Deus Ex series. And then in the world of movies and anime, check out uh, Ghost in the Shell, specifically the original movie and the uh, standalone complex TV show. Fantastic. Um, mine is simple. Obviously, if you, if you like this movie, uh, we've talked a lot about Buffy at various points in this uh, once more with feeling is the musical episode of Buffy. It has again Anthony Stewart Head singing his ass off. Um, whether you like Joss Whedon stuff or not, whether you like Sarah Michelle Gellar or anybody else in this movie, it's worth watching that just to hear Anthony Stewart Head uh, rock out. Um, if again we've talked about it a lot, if you want a better version of what's here, Rocky Horror Picture Show and, and in the Apocalypse are two big horror adjacent musicals uh that that do a lot of the stuff this is trying to do better than this is doing it uh, i would also uh recommend labyrinth which uh david bowie's goblin king and that feels a lot like anthony stewart head's repo in this that you know every time he's on screen mm -hmm. the movie goes that much better um you know this the whole like basically anthony stewart head's big like rock number there really reminded me of uh dance magic dance which is uh you know david bowie's number also if you like lyrics that have things repeated over and over and over again dance magic <laughs> dance really does that you remind me of the babe what babe the babe of the legend what legend oh you know deal so like that's definitely worth checking out if you're if you're into that kind of stuff and if you're watching this and you haven't seen labyrinth or rocky horror picture show i'd be kind of surprised honestly mm -hmm. um that wraps up uh, recommendations for us. The only thing left to do is let people know where they can find us online. Joey, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm doing a bit of a social media off right now, but I'm at Joey Ruccino on Twitter and Instagram and obviously on the Talking Copies podcast every Wednesday, wherever you find podcasts. Nice. And nice. Emily, remind people where they can find you. Uh, Mega Moth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, uh, Mega Moth on Tumblr. Uh, megamoth.net on the internet um, and patreon.com slash megamoth and keep an eye out for those prince lists. Awesome. And Ben, what about you? 
Uh, find me on Twitter at, at @bendthecon. Uh, you can find my past comics in physical and digital at bencomics.com or on Comixology. And make sure to keep an eye out for Renegade Rule from Dark Horse Comics coming out May 26th. Fantastic. Looking forward to that. And uh, for me, I am on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. My website is jeremywhitley.com. It doesn't have much on it. Um, you can pre-order a number of my books uh, through your local comic book shop. We do have, you know, more princess coming up. Uh, Raven, Pirate Princess, it looks like the Volume 9 finally made it to, or finally will be making it to Comixology over this next week. So um, you can finally actually get it on there in addition to being able to buy it in person. Um, if you're not going out to shops for a good reason right now. Um, also, you should uh, be able to find all of the uh, Marvel action chillers out there. Uh, both digitally and physically right now um that one was a lot of fun if you like marvel and you like uh, pg horror that's um it's good stuff as for the podcast itself progressively horrified is on patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified we're on twitter at prog horror pod our website is progressively horrified.transistor.fm and please subscribe rate give us all your stars review the podcast reviewing and rating makes it easier for other people to find it so that we can keep growing and we can keep doing this fun stuff and talking to you every week um speaking of which i do want to thank joey so much for joining us this week it was great to have you sir thanks for having me on y'all that's yeah. awesome thank you yes this I'll, was so much fun thank you so I'll, much for coming on only watch horror with y'all that's that's my new Aww, that's my new thank you well we we take we that's an honor but just like seriously thank you so much this has been so much fun <laughs> yeah this is a great time and i, again, I hope you've had a good time and and as always thank you so much to emily and ben for joining me today it's been great love getting to hang out with you guys yeah and uh, we pleasure. love hanging out with all of you out there listening so we will see you again next week with some more progressively horrified we love you bye Bye. Progressively Horrified was created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Joey Burcino. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.